Hey, bub, welcome back to a brand new episode of Talkin' Snicked, the Wolverine Show. It's the best podcast there is at what it does, and what it does best is tells you about Wolverine. I am your host, Ryan. Today's episode, we are continuing our month-long exploration into the backstories of Omega Red. Last week, we took a look at his first appearance, and today we are taking a look at another story that will chronicle his, well, quest to find the Carbonadium Synthesizer. Today, we are going to take a look at the 1997 one-shot, Maverick, in the Shadow of Death. All right, so like I said, this was a 1997 one-shot. It was actually published at some point in late 1996. I, I've said it before several times, but usually the uh, publication date, the cover date, is a few months after the actual date that the issue or so uh, arrived on newsstands and, and in comic shops and everything. So this probably came out more in like October, November of 1996, but it is cover dated for January 1997. Now this one shot, this it's, you know, it's about 40, 50 pages long. It was written by Larry Hama, who was the writer on the Wolverine ongoing. At the time, we have art from Wilfred Santiago. We have colors from Marie Javins, and we have letters from Chris Eliopoulos. Now, as we saw in last week's episode, the first appearance, the introduction slash resurrection of Omega Red, one thing that Omega Red desires among, you know, above all other things is to get the carbonadium synthesizer. Omega Red's mutant power is to release these pheromones that act as a death factor. It makes the people around him sick to the point where if they're sick enough, they will die and it allows him to feed on their life force to to kind of sustain himself to keep himself alive so he is some sort of a vampire he's like a life force vampire who uses sickness to to infect others and when he went through his soviet super soldier program they implanted in his arms these two tendrils that are made of a metal called carbonadium now, carbonadium, it's not quite as hard as adamantium, though it's derived from the same process. So it's kind of a, a more malleable, but therefore weaker version of adamantium. And so he has these, these very large tendrils implanted into his arms. And unfortunately for him, they are slowly poisoning him from the inside out. And so the carbonadium synthesizer will actually counteract that which would give him greater control over his mutant powers. He wouldn't have to use them as much, that sort of thing. Although using his mutant powers doesn't really seem like the issue for Omega Red. It's more the fact that he doesn't want that weakness anymore. He doesn't want to have to rely on his powers to survive. He just wants to be able to use his powers to inflict pain and torment into his enemies and random civilians because, you know, Omega Red is a villain and he's, He's a very bad dude. But I was originally going to cover the three-part storyline that featured a, a few episodes or a few issues rather after his first appearance. So last week we covered X-Men Volume 2, number four through seven, the, the first appearance of Omega Red. And then I was going to jump in uh only about 15 issues later and cover issues 17, 18, and 19 which is an arc that takes place in Russia with, against a villain called the Soul Skinner, or the Skinner of Souls, as he's sometimes referred. But that story, upon rereading it, I, I remembered Omega Red being a big part, and it turns out he really wasn't. It was a three-issue story, and he really only appeared in a couple of pages in that second story. He was in, like, the first three or four pages. Um, and then he appeared maybe one or two pages 
uh, later on where he he went toe to toe with Wolverine, but it was a very short fight, very quick and and, and very easy. And you know, as fun as those few pages were, it just wasn't really enough. And it didn't really add anything new to the character or help further define his motivations. It just, he happened to show up in Russia at the same time that this Skinner of Souls was doing his thing. And Omega Red's story for a couple issues got intertwined and it gave him a chance to fight Wolverine again, but it wasn't like this big brawl or anything like as far as magnitude goes it wasn't even like vader versus obi-wan on the death star a couple old men just kind of like banging sticks together nah it it wasn't even that big of a deal it was more like ah i'm here and i'll fight you so i'll hit you once and then you'll hit me once and then that's the end and then i'm just going to disappear and you know we'll just assume that i've gone and done something else in in russia since i'm a russian mutant but yeah so i just figured that wasn't really it's a fun story, but it's more of a Colossus story. It has to do more with what happens with Ilyana and her like returning to being magic, although not really. Uh, and, and the rest of the X-Men are just kind of there. And Omega Red himself is like, I said, he's just kind of there. He, he shows up and then he's used and then he's taken out of the story. So I decided rather than that, uh, we can go back and kind of pick up with the story that actually picks up after you know, that picks up the the threads from the last issues that we had covered, the introduction. Now, if you remember back to last week, we told the story of the hand resurrecting Omega Red, promising to get him the Carbonadian synthesizer. And, you know, in exchange for him serving the hand, or at least not necessarily becoming like a hand ninja, dying and, and resurrecting that way, but rather just, you know, some additional muscle for Matsuo Tsuriyaba, who was the leader of the hand and who at the time was allied with several other members of the upstarts. Ultimately, that storyline ended with Wolverine taking the carbonadium synthesizer, giving it to Maverick, who was also introduced in that story to do something with and keeping it hidden from Omega Red. And this particular story, Maverick in the Shadow of Death, this story picks up with that plot thread. Now, there's a few things that happen with Maverick in between that point and this point. One of them is he has since contracted the Legacy Virus, which is a virus that is deadly to mutants. And of course, Maverick himself being a mutant, he contracted it, and now he is slowly dying of the Legacy Virus. And Members of the, you know, spy community learning that Maverick has the legacy virus, word gets out. And so it becomes really important to Omega Red that he tracks down Maverick as soon as he can so that he can figure out what happened to the C-Synth, the carbonadium synthesizer. So this one shot actually picks up Uh, by just further elaborating on some of the flashback sequences that we saw in X-Men 4 through 7. Now, in Uncanny, or excuse me, in X-Men 4 through 7, it was established that there was an old mission that Wolverine, Sabretooth, and Maverick had gone on together when they were all members of Team X, which was a multinational... CIA and their various international partners, kind of a black ops thing. They would do all these different missions, you know, CIA style missions and stuff. It's the kind of stuff you'd see in like Mission Impossible, you know, those sort of action movies. It was that sort of a team. And on one particular mission, they were sent into Soviet Russia to steal this device that their scientists had created called the Carbonadium Synthesizer and also to. Uh, help liberate a mole who had been operating inside this particular government bureaucracy. It was a woman named Janice Hollenbeck. And so their mission, Logan, Creed, and Maverick, their mission was to go in there, grab the sea synth, grab the woman, and get out. But unfortunately for them, when they went in on their mission, they met with some resistance, and they were eventually chased down by Omega Red. Creed ended up just killing the double agent, the, uh, the scientist and the three of them escaped by jumping out of like a 10 story window. 
Now, at the time, they didn't all know that one another were mutants. They all knew that themselves were mutants, but they didn't know that the other members were mutants. And of course, this kind of uh, put that into perspective. But ultimately, this was the final mission for the team. Uh, because of Creed's behavior, Wolverine decided to walk away. He just turns his back on the whole organization and he walks away. But not before he takes the carbonadium synthesizer and buries it with the now deceased Janice Hollenbeck. And throughout the course of the, the storyline that we saw in, in X-Men 4 through 7, Matsuo is able to figure it out by looking through some of Wolverine's memories. And when he and Omega Red and the rest of the hand and all that, when they go to exhume the body and thus find the carbonadium synthesizer, they are instead attacked by Wolverine and Maverick, who have teamed up to prevent them from getting their hands on it. They have to retreat and everything. Dr. Cornelius, who was working with them as well, was killed. And eventually Wolverine takes the carbonadium synthesizer. He gives it to Maverick. And that's the end of that storyline. So at this point, we don't know where Maverick has hid the carbonadium synthesizer or, or if he even has it. Uh, we don't know. Maybe he's destroyed it. It's a mystery. And so this story kind of uh, follows that. So the first thing it does is it elaborates on some of those flashbacks. We have a pretty decent sequence. Um, it's really the same chain of events and everything, but Larry Hama just adds a few additional layers to it. He adds a little bit more characterization to Creed and, and Logan and Maverick by adding, you know, some fun puns and, and things like that and dialing up the action a little bit more. Uh, but it doesn't really change. doesn't really change anything. All it does is it takes them to, to where they need to go. So it's the same starting point, same stopping point, but they just add some additional dialogue and, and some stuff, some extra character anyway, but that's not what happens here. They all jump out and Sabretooth makes his thing like, Oh, you know, maybe Omega red isn't the only mutant working for his country. Huh? You know, and, and Maverick's like, oh, whatever do you mean? I don't know what you're talking about, but before they can actually go on and, and grab Janice and, and head out, for their debriefing or whatever, head to their extraction point, they are actually attacked by Omega Red. He's also jumped out the window, and now he has Maverick in his tendrils, and he's grabbing Sabretooth and everything, and he's like, ah, now you will die. And then Maverick starts yelling in this sequence, like, no, this is not the way it happened. And we see that he's having like this weird nightmare. nightmare. We flash to what appears to be like a seedy motel. There's like liquor bottles and pizza boxes and stuff littering the floor and everything. There's just like one little bed, no, no furniture or anything like that. Just, you know, the kind of seedy motel you'd expect to find. And, uh, you know, when an international spy is trying to hide out from the rest of the community, that sort of thing. And, but he's waking up like, this isn't how it happened. And so he's kind of talking himself like, Oh, wait, that's right. Yeah, no, you got out of there. Wolverine quit you know lament the good old days and now you've got the legacy virus you're just chilling in this bed in a seedy motel in uh, north ottawa and it's a it's a it's a good recap you know if you hadn't read anything you might not have known what was going on with that flashback sequence so he just kind of soothes himself but it's a good way to bring the reader into the story bring us up to speed he just kind of says like all oh, that stuff happened years ago in berlin before i became maverick and logan became wolverine and Creed became Sabretooth. We were a team and not anymore. And as he's kind of gathering his bearings, you know, talking himself down from this nightmare that he had, a voice from the doorway just reaches or calls out like, Herr Nord. Uh, it's, a, I, it's not really important to point out, but I believe the character of Maverick is supposed to be German. Uh, but I think his name is David North, but I think he also is David Nord. Uh, I always kind of get that confused. Like was the, the German part, was that a persona? Was that actually who he was? Uh, unfortunately, when it comes to Maverick, it is still a little gray regarding his origin. I think eventually they established that he's just North American. I don't remember if he was American or Canadian, uh, but like 
the German part, that was also a mission. And so that was part of his cover and everything like that. But either way, uh, so a woman kind of reaches out to him and he's like, what do you, what do you want? Like, no one calls me that. I don't go by that name anymore. Like, how did, how did you know about the name Nord? Uh, and she just tells him like, my name is uh, Elena Ivanovna and uh, I'm, you know, I'm a psychic. I used to work for the KGB um, in the same project that created Omega, both Omega and Epsilon Reds. Um, and she's like, and you know, so I helped myself to your dossier and uh, now I'm here. And so he immediately thinks, oh, well, if you're psychic, then it must have been you that put that that dream into my head and all this. And she's like, oh, no, I don't want to mess with you because the reason why I'm here is I need something from you. She's like, I'm trying to track down Sabretooth, and I know that you have past ties with that guy. So I, I need your help. And you know, being the super spy that he is, he's a little kind of not necessarily off put, but he's suspicious. He's like, well, you know, this seems a little good to be true. You just show up and know who I am and tell me you need my help and stuff like there's got to be a little bit more going on. And he's like, but it doesn't really matter. I can't help you anyway. I've got the legacy virus. Like the reason why I'm in this crappy motel in the north of Ottawa is because like I'm, I've got the legacy virus and I'm going to die. And I came here to die alone away from everybody else. So, you know, I'm sorry that you need help, but you're not going to get it from me. And, you know, of course, she tells him the reason why she needs his help. And it's it reaches uh, at his heartstrings. It is straight up old fashioned revenge. Turns out Sabretooth at one point was torturing her father and decided that the best torture for her father would be to uh, dispatch of her mother. So he did. And she's been hunting Sabretooth for her entire life in order to get her revenge. And it's enough of a sob story where Maverick is like, well, all right, you know, like maybe you've piqued my interest. Uh, maybe I'll help you. But like, I've still got the legacy virus. So I don't know how much help I'm going to be. Like I'm, I'm dying here, you know. But to prove her uh, her metal, to, to show him that she's on his side. She's like, all right, that's fine. I'll, I can leave you here. You can come help me. But like, if I leave you here, there's two guys outside that are waiting for you. There's one in the alley. And as they're, as they're looking out in the alley, this character just like vanishes from sight. And Maverick is like, oh, don't worry about him. That's John Wraith. Like, you know, it's, an elusive character to say the least is how he, he sums him up and the other character up on the roof. And so Maverick is like, Oh, okay, well, yeah, that one we kind of have to watch out for that guy's a bit of a psychopath. Um, and all we see is like the rooftop, but there's like these tentacles kind of coming from further back on the roof. So you're like, Oh, okay. Omega red is just like chilling up on the roof. Just, you know, waiting for uh, Maverick to go for a stroll or something, I guess. I don't know. Either way, both John Wraith and Omega Red, in addition to Elena, have all tracked Maverick to this little hotel room. So he's like, all right, well, I'm not going to stay here because I don't have to fight Omega Red. And, you know, John Wraith knows I'm here and he probably wants something. Otherwise, he wouldn't be here. So I might as well help you. So, you know, let's uh, let's get help. Of course, as he's like, saying all this he's already putting on all of his equipment and everything his cool mask that he wears and uh his armor that's that i always thought was pretty cool i just i really liked maverick in the in the early 90s i really didn't know much about him i had maybe like one or two uh x-men you know adjectiveless x-men issues where he showed up but i had his trading cards i had his action figure that i thought was really cool i, I thought it was awesome that he had ties to wolverine but we didn't know quite what those ties were it had to do with Wolverine's time as a spy. That was pretty neat. Um, I liked when he had like a random appearance here and there in X-Men, the animated series as a cameo. I think the first one that we saw was uh, morph when he was messing with Wolverine and see in early season two, uh, he, there's a, a sequence where he, he morphs a bunch of times into characters from Wolverine's past. And I think one of them was Maverick. So that was cool. I think we see him again, uh, later on when Wolverine is exploring some more of his past weapon X ties and 
comes across some stuff where Maverick was involved. But either way, I always thought that was pretty cool. Um, and I thought it was such a bummer when they when they killed him off with the legacy virus because they did that before I really ever got the chance to get to know about the character. And even now, like I know a little bit about Maverick. He's, he's cool. Uh, but like, honestly, going through like the first three weeks of this Omega Red month are, are going to deal fairly heavily with with Maverick. So it's pretty cool to get to see some of this stuff. Uh, either way, so yeah, he was he was saying all this stuff to Elena while he was putting on his armor and grabbing his weapons and stuff like that. And uh, as soon as he gets dressed, he kind of falls to the ground and like, oh, you know, I don't know what he's doing. Is it cringing in pain or he's coughing or something? Either way, like he has a bout of legacy virus sickness or something and he falls to the ground and uh, he's like, this sucks. Like I need some liquor at the very least. Like I need to get something to numb this pain. And she's like, all right, well, I'll tell you what, like you help me, which is what I want from you in the first place. And then instead of like just throwing you to the wolves, you know, when, when I'm done with you, after, instead of dropping you like a bad habit, like I'll, I'll, I'll get you some help as well. Like maybe we can, we can tackle this legacy virus thing. And he's like, all right, fine. You know, that sounds good enough. Let's go. Uh, let's, let's get in your car. Turns out she stole a Dodge Viper, <laughs> which, which is pretty cool. Um, I've only ever ridden in a Dodge Viper one time for like three house lengths. Uh, growing up, I had a buddy whose dad, um, had like a side business where he would like buy crappy old beat up cars and he'd fix them up real nice. And then he'd like flip them. So he was like flipping pseudo sports cars. And eventually he had, uh, enough money that he was able to get a Viper, but they could only afford to own it for like a year before he had to sell it. Cause they just couldn't afford the insurance on it. And and of course the, the payments I imagine had to be pretty ridiculous, but it's still pretty cool. Like he had a Viper for like a whole year. Uh, and so his dad let me ride in it for like, <laughs> like not even th- around the block just for like a couple of houses. And he was like, all right, get out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was fun. Um, it was a beautiful car. So yeah. So, uh, so she's got some, some, uh, some good taste here. Uh, either way, like they get in the car and they immediately just like hightail it out of there because obviously they know that John Wraith and Omega Red have both found Maverick and they're trying to <laughs> to see if they can't get out of the area quick enough. Uh, but it doesn't matter because Omega Red has been watching them this whole time. And unfortunately for the Viper, they're right next to like this really fancy motorcycle. And so Omega Red just like jumps down and like yanks the dude off the motorcycle. And he's like, I'm commandeering this this comrade, you know, um, but they don't get very far or at least Omega red doesn't get very far. Cause like John Wraith shows up and just like <laughs> cotton mouths him, you know, he's just got this like a uh, rocket launcher and he just launches a rocket and, uh, knocks Omega red for a loop a little bit and then teleports out of there. His power is like, it's teleportation, but it's kind of like, just kind of like appearing and disappearing. It's not like Nightcrawler where it like a, it's a bamfing type deal or um, like blink or, or magic where they create like teleporting portal type things. He just sort of like fades in and out of uh, time and space or I guess space, uh, but it's pretty cool, you know, uh, which is why they call him, why his name is John Wraith. I don't know if, I don't know if Wraith is his actual last name. That would be kind of serendipitous. Uh, I feel like his name is probably like John Stevens. And then they just, he just goes by John Wraith. Cause it sounds cool. And Wraith is a rad nickname for a guy that can just like disappear and appear, just like fade in and out of, of space there. Uh, but either way, yeah, he just like pops in and launches a rocket right at Omega red and then just like fades right out. Um, and that's enough where it slows Omega red down that, Maverick is able to kind of come up with a plan. So Elena's driving the Viper. Maverick's telling her like, turn here, turn there, turn here. Omega Red has kind of gotten back up, gotten back on the motorcycle. Uh, and he's like in hot pursuit of them. And I love that they're, they're speeding away from Omega Red. They have a destination in mind, but like, you know, it's, 
It's not like in the action movie where they're racing in and out of traffic and it's broad daylight and there's cars in the way and explosions and stuff. No, it's just they're in a fast car. They're driving really fast. And there's a dude in a motorcycle a couple blocks behind who's trying his darndest to catch up. And so Elena's like, all right, cool. Well, this is a good time for me to tell you my origin story while we're in this car driving at breakneck speeds to escape this flaming psychopath behind us. How about, you know, we bond a little bit. I'll tell you my story. It turns out that she's a psychic and her powers manifested when she was still in the womb, which is crazy to me. But I guess, you know, Xavier's powers manifested in the womb and spoiler alert, Moira's powers uh, manifested in the womb or, or whatever it was. I forget her whole story. Either way, um, she had like, she was able to develop like instinctually develop a psychic connection to her mother and happens to remember her mother's last moments. Turns out her mother at the time of this memory, she was pregnant with Elena and she was married to a Soviet super soldier named Epsilon Red, who I guess he wasn't really a super soldier. He was a Soviet super astronaut, right? So it was like part of the communist, you know, part of the Soviets plan to win the space race and win the Cold War, Cold War against the United States by like making a super astronaut who could survive in space. So all they had to do was just like toss him up into space and he can just kind of like space travel his way to the moon, land there first, beat the Americans, maybe even head over to Mars and chill out there for a little while, you know, whatever the, the, you, not even the sky, the sky was below the limit. Like the universe was the limit. That was the goal for this Epsilon red guy, super astronaut surgically altered to endure the rigors of space. And his wife was pregnant and on a mission, Creed, Sabretooth, part of Team X, came and was like trying to mess with Epsilon Red. And so Epsilon Red's like, all right, you know, do your worst to me if you have to, but let my wife and unborn child go. And Creed's like, ah, you're a you're a man of you know principle and stuff. I I like that. I'm gonna let you go. And so, you know, I think Maverick was there. Maverick shows up and he's like, Creed, what's going on? And, and Creed's like, no, it's fine. We're going to let him live. It's all good. You head on back and I'll make sure they get out of here safely, whatever it is. Um, and so as soon as Maverick's gone and Creed's like, all right, cool. Now I can be the psychopath that I am. He tries to, or he, he kills Epsilon Red's wife, which happened to be Elena's mother. Now, Epsilon Red was able to get his wife to a hospital and they were able to save Elena. And that, you know, when her powers manifested, even though they manifested in the womb, it, they, it still went through the normal, you know, manifestation and puberty and all that. But when her powers stopped being dormant, when, when her powers like activated, she remembered all of this stuff. And so, you know, that's why she wants to, uh, that's why she wants to kill Creed. Of course, by now, you know, they're trying to run away from Omega Red. And I guess maybe she, her foot came off the gas a little bit as she was telling her story because Omega Red has like caught up to them and he's, he's shooting at him and stuff. And Maverick has to turn around and see, you know, typical action movie kind of stuff where the one person's driving and they have to look forward. But the guy in the passenger seat's like, well, hey, I don't need to see where we're going. I just need to see what's behind us. And so he's the, the typical thing where he's like backwards in the seat with his guns out and he's just like blasting at Omega Red and everything. And then eventually he turns around in the seat and he's like, turn right. And he just like grabs the wheel and yanks it. So they do this hard right turn and... <laughs> They like turned right into an abandoned military base. And I don't even know if it's abandoned. No, it's not abandoned. I don't know why I'm saying abandoned. They turn into a military base because there's members of the, the military on the base. It's the, uh, the Royal Canadian air force special weapons research facility. So like there's people here, but whatever, you know, he just like pulls them into the base and everything. And uh, I, I like, Oh man, I love Marvel comics version of 
Canada, which is just this like heavily armed, very militarily technologically advanced nation. And not saying anything bad about Canada right now, you know, they've, they've been staunch historically speaking, they've been staunch allies of, of the United States militarily. Um, but they're not like a major military power, right? Like that's, they're not a world power when you think of this, the, the most powerful or, or the scariest, you know, militarized nations, you know, Canada is not usually one of the names at the top of the list, but Marvel comics version of Canada is so ridiculously like they're, they're the very definition of like the military industrial complex. It's, it's fascinating. Anyway, so this Dodge Viper, you know, drives onto this base and like immediately they have dispatched, they've dispatched like all kinds of tanks and jets and stuff for like this small little military base, you know, like a, it's a weapons research facility. It's not even like a, a major whatever. Either way, they just like immediately launch. They're like shooting missiles at the, at the Dodge Viper and everything. Uh, and foolishly, of course, Omega Red just drives right onto the base as well, still on the motorcycle chasing after them. And, you know, the Viper is moving kind of fast and the military is aiming at the Viper. But by the time the weapons get there, the missiles and things, the Viper has outran them. But Omega Red hasn't. So they blast Omega Red, knock him off the motorcycle, knock him down. And it's enough for Maverick and Elena to pull into like this alley. Not really an alley because it's a military base. So there's not streets, but there's like two buildings next to each other. And like in the middle, there's a little way they, they can turn so they they turn down this way and then like 20 feet down there's this giant brick wall so now they're kind of walled in right there's nowhere to go the the tanks and ground troops and stuff from the canadian military have like they've kind of pigeonholed them right into this out this I mean, it's not an alley but i'm going to call it that this dead end right they've pigeonholed them in there and then they're like, well, crap, we have nowhere to go. Shoot. And like, I didn't realize this friggin' wall was here. Bummer. What are we going to do? And then John Wraith in like the building where they're standing next to just kind of like throws the door open. He's like, Hey, you two in here, let's go. Um, and so, so Maverick and, uh, and Elena are like, all right, well, it's better than standing here and being taken out by the bloodthirsty Royal Canadian air force. Uh, so they run into this warehouse and, uh, John Wraith is is just kind of talking to him like, hey, you know, I, I'm watching you. It's part of what I've been doing. And so I'm here to kind of help you out. Um, I'll tell you what, like if you take if you go down this way, there's a staircase and you hang a left and then you'll come to this other spiral staircase. You run all the way down to like the sub basement and then there's a access hatch that will take you into a tunnel. And if you follow that, it'll take you out into the woods um, so you guys do that and then I'll go kind of run interference with the, uh, the air force. What do you say? <laughs> and Maverick's like, all right, well, great plan. Like that's, I don't have a plan of my own. So let's, let's roll with it. So him and Elena start heading out and, uh, John Wraith opens the door and he's like, hey, okay, you know, Hey, it's me. It's uh, I, I surrender. Don't shoot and all that. And the Canadian, the Royal Canadian air force is like, Oh no, 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 no. We're not taking prisoners. Shoot. <laughs> and so Wraith, you know, teleports out of there and they're like, oh no, everyone's gone. Bummer. And so, you know, at this point, we don't really know who John Wraith is. So we get a few pages as Maverick and Elena are making their way down to these tunnels that Wraith told him about. Uh, Maverick just kind of fills her in. He's like, oh yeah, you know, I used to be on this thing called T-Max. Well, you know all about it. I used to be on that thing and uh, we had this guy, John Wraith. He was our extraction guy. You know, if we were in some place and we needed to, uh, to be pulled out, like he was there, he would always figure out a way to get us out. You know, um, he, uh, one of the quotes is, you know, the team could be neck deep in a class A furball with no, no way out other than the body bag express and up pops the Wraith man lighting up the exit signs and handing out, get out of jail free cards. Because, you know, like I was saying, his powers are to kind of fade in and out of relative places in space. <laughs> so he's just telling him, like, at one point, you know, we had to run away and he, like, teleported himself into the dude's helicopter and just, like, punched him. And then we weren't being pursued by a helicopter anymore. Like, that was pretty cool. 
but unfortunately, they come across some some Canadian guys and some Canadian Air Force guys, and Maverick's like, "Oh crap!" Like, gonna have to fight my way out. And he like goes to draw his weapons, and then he realizes the Canadian military just walks right by, and he's like, "What the heck?" And Elena's like, "Dude, I'm psychic. Remember, like, I just made him not see us." He's like, "Oh, nice. Yeah, rad." Apparently, of all the people that Maverick has been on various teams with, he's never been on a team with a psychic person. But either way, I liked it. You know, she just kind of makes them not see them. It reminds me of in the movie X-Men Apocalypse, where the Weapon X team arrives at the destroyed mansion and they're looking for survivors in the wreckage and they walk right up to Gene and Scott and Kurt and they don't see them. Uh, it's been, you know, when we find out it's because Gene was preventing them from being seen, you know, even though the guy was looking right at him, he's just, she's just like, yeah, you, you don't see us. That's what, it, that's what it reminds me of. I just thought that was pretty cool. So then we go check in with our pal Omega red and <laughs> he's been, he's been detained, you know, unfortunately, fortunately for him, you know, the, uh, the Royal Canadian air force, guys that that nabbed him were not as trigger happy as the ones that went after uh, Maverick and, and John Wraith. Uh, so the, instead they've just kind of like chained him up and thrown him in a pit on the base and they're trying to get stuff. They're like, who are you? What are you doing on our base and everything? And Omega red speaking Spanish. He says, you know, no comprende inglés. And they're like, well, well that's the most Slavic Spanish accent I've ever heard. You know, <laughs> I just, I would love to hear Omega red in his like thick Russian accent speaking Spanish. It just, it's funny. Either way, you know, the, the Royal Canadian air force guys, they figure out, Oh crap. Like he's a member of the, of the spy team and all that. Um, they're like, well, okay, well if he's a spy, then we'll keep him alive and we'll, we'll figure out what to do with him And maybe we can sell him on the black market to some people who like to buy spies, I guess, and do stuff to him. And at that point, John Wraith kind of runs over and he's like, whoa, 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 hey, whoa, whoa. Like, I, it's me again, you know, the dude who keeps vanishing. Um, but like, no, you can't let that guy serve. That's freaking Omega Red, man. Like, you guys, you gotta just, he's in the pit, just throw a nuke in there with him. Like, we need to he's just like get rid of him. And the one dude's like, like, don't tell me to kill my prisoners, dude, who just randomly showed up, who's not part of my chain of command or any of my subordinates, you know, not a member of uh, this man's Canadian Air Force. Uh, <laughs> it's just good stuff. And so they they end up pulling their gun on Wraith, like, who the heck are you to tell us what to do? And so, of course, Wraith just, like, fades out again. I think his powers would be pretty cool, right? Because it's, like I said, it's not like Nelic, Nightcrawler, where you have to teleport with this uh, sound and smell and smoke and all that, or you don't have to pull up uh, some sort of a portal. You just fade out, man. Like, that would be nice. That'd be a nice power. You're just like, you're at the grocery store. The lines are kind of long, so you just throw a couple bucks down and just fade out with your produce that you got, you know, that sort of thing. Because, I mean, like, you know, I'm not advocating using my superpowers for evil. You know, I... I would pay for my merchandise, but I wouldn't have to wait in line. Like, this was the point that I was trying to make. Like you just fade out and then fade in on the couch. There you go. Done. Carpooling. You know, you don't have to do that anymore. No, there's no more waiting in traffic. All right. Either way, at this point, Omega Red's like, all right, cool. Well, they know who I am. My, my cover has been blown. Now they know I'm not a Spanish guy. So uh, I guess I, I might as well tell them what I'm here for. And he tells them, he's like, you're preventing me from getting the only known thing that can keep me alive without having to kill everybody around me. And that is the carbonadium synthesizer. So I'm going to have to kill all of you guys so that I can go get it. Hopefully there won't be more incidents like this in the future. Once I have the carbonadium synthesizer, I don't just have to kill everybody to survive, but whatever I'm hungry and I need the sea synth. So he does. He he breaks free of all of his chains because apparently super strength is one of his abilities. He breaks free of the chains and pretty much tells him like, all right, prepare to, uh, you know, you are on the way to destruction. Get ready. Welcome to die. I'm going to throw out my spores now. 
but we don't get to see all of that play out quite yet. We actually go check in with Maverick and Elena. They have found the hatch that Wraith was telling them about, you know, the, the hatch from the tunnel that takes them into the woods outside of the, the base perimeter and all that. So they get outside the war zone and he's like, all right, well, this kind of sucks. He's like, it must've been you that led Omega red to me. He must've been following you for some reason. Maybe you guys know the same people since, you know, you're both former KGB and all of that. And, uh, She's like, no way, that can't possibly be it. And then he, like, you know, passes out because legacy virus, he's very tired and they've ran a long way and all that. And as they're, like, laying there, we see that the the rest of the Royal Canadian Air Force has dispatched, you know, helicopters and troopers with dogs and things to track them down because they've disappeared. So naturally, you got to check the perimeter, you know, Uh, So they do, they send out some helicopters and all that. But luckily for them, Wraith kind of knew where the tunnels would lead. So when he faded out the last time, he had faded in uh, around where the tunnels come out, right? So he's, he's in the area, he's waiting for them to arrive, and he has a getaway car stashed nearby. So they wait for the patrols to kind of pass over them and all that, and they hop in their, their car and they head out. Meanwhile, Omega Red, like I said, he unleashed his pheromones, so he destroyed pretty much everyone that was around him. Obviously not everyone on the base, but everyone in that room, in the rooms adjacent and and all that. And he hacks into the military computer to get background on John Wraith, which I think is hilarious. Like, Apparently spy computers or or military computers are all so uniform that you can hack into the encrypted military database of whatever country you're in, as long as you know how to do it in your own code. Like Omega just walks in, he just starts typing away like do, 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 do. Oh, here's John Wraith's file. Oh, interesting. John Wraith has a secret base in Ottawa. What are the odds? You know, and he, and he kind of finds, um, he, he kind of finds out that the base, basically the base that they're at, the base that Omega Red is at is on the trajectory that if, if he draws a straight line from the base that he's on to the secret hideout where John Wraith is taking Maverick and Elena, a straight line will go right through the old Weapon X facility on I think in the X-Men Origins Wolverine movie, it was on Three Mile Island, uh, but in the comics, it's actually in Canada. It is on an island, you know, that looks just like Three Mile Island, but canonically, it's it's in Canada. Either way, Omega Red does some pretty dope detective work, and he's like, all right, they're heading that way. They're probably going to stop by the Weapon X facility, because he's like, now that you think about it, like, that would be a good place to hide something, because, like, who's going to go there? Who Who would want to go there? Like... I would never think to go there to get the sea synth. So that must be where they hit it. And, you know, it's a straight line from there, from here to there. And then from there to John Wraith's hideout. So I might as well head there. And so that's what he does. <laughs> he, he does get like some, some pretty good luck as he's walking out onto the base, you know, towards the exit and all that, a helicopter comes down and the guys get out and they're like, what happened? Well, you know, who are you? And he's like, oh, well, what are the odds? Like the minute I need a helicopter or a plane to take me off the base and one of them happens to show up. Nice. So, of course, he makes quick work of the military boys and he steals their helicopter. And now Omega Red in a helicopter is headed to the old Weapon X facility, as is John Wraith, Maverick and Elena. They are now also heading to the old Weapon X facility. And we actually get some more Omega Red backstory here. As they're in the plane, you know, Wraith drove them from his, from their perimeter to like a private airport and they get in a little like, you know, single, single engine plane and they're flying away. So as they're on their flight, uh, John Wraith hands a dossier to Elena 
because she's asking about Omega Red. She's like, well, maybe Omega Red knows about Creed and all that. And he's like, well, I don't, I don't know. Let me kind of fill you in on who Omega Red is. So he hands her a dossier and we get more backstory. We learn that Omega Red, who before he became Omega Red, was going by the alias Arkady Grigorovich. And he was in the Spetsnaz, the Russian special forces. I think that's what the Spetsnaz are. I'm, I'm probably getting that confused. But either way, he was in the Spetsnaz. He was a border guard commando unit. And we learn that, like, you know, you, when you were in the military in the Soviet Union, they just put you where they thought you would be best. So they put him in the Spetsnaz and eventually they transferred him from one unit to another. And they transferred him from like Moscow to this really out of the way, very small town. Well, unfortunately, turns out before he was transferred to this town, he was, he was a killer. He was a um, serial killer and he had all these victims, but it was in such a populated area that all of these crimes, they hadn't been connected, you know, it hadn't been solved. They hadn't been connected and they certainly hadn't found their way back to him. But when he was transferred to this very small town, it was obvious when things started going South and it was, it was very quickly that he was discovered for being who he was. And as like punishment, he was going to be executed. They took him into a room for summary execution. And when that didn't take, that's when the Russian government, the Soviets were like, Hey, maybe we should make this guy a super soldier. Like we killed him, but he didn't die. Like that's gotta be step one. Right. And so they did, they put him through the Soviet super soldier program. They broke him down Mentally, they built him back up. They kind of focused his psychopathy, if you even can. I mean, it's comics, right? So, of course, if you write it, it, it can happen. Either way, so they they did that to him. And then they're like, well, hey, you know, he's a mutant. He's got these powers and stuff. Maybe we should give him some pretty sweet, like, tendrils, too. Like, that would be pretty cool. So they do. And that is how Arkady Grigorovich became omega red so that's one of his origins i know in the comics they've covered his origin a few different times and every now and then they'll kind of tweak or retcon little pieces here and there about the soviet super soldier program whether he was like a willing volunteer or taken against his will there's all kinds of of different different things right like sometimes he is sometimes he isn't and uh that's pretty much it. There, there was a, there's a photo of his final victim as well. And so that kind of resonates with Elena and she files that away in her memories. And that's, it's enough, like just learning this, it's enough to take us to the weapon X facility for the final kind of showdown. So John Wraith, Maverick, and Elena have all arrived at the former Weapon X facility with Omega Red in hot pursuit. And we can't forget about the Royal Canadian Air Force, who have, uh, have dispatched, well, a few fighters, and like fighter jets, and some, uh, some troop transport stuff. Like, they are hot on their trail, so... We got Omega Red following after our three heroes. And of course, we have the Air Force following after Omega Red, all three of them converging on the Weapon X facility. The three heroes arrive first and they just kind of go in immediately and grab the carbonadium synthesizer. Omega Red arrives shortly thereafter and is eventually able to track them all down into the room that, you know, where they retrieve the carbonadium synthesizer so that he can have his, his final showdown. And the military is all bearing down on the facility. And it kind of starts with uh, Omega Red 
like takes out John Wraith really quick. Um, and then he, he goes after Maverick and Elena. They're, they're just like, Hey, over here, be a big dumb idiot. And so he's just kind of following them and they're like running up to a doorway and they're like waiting so that he'll see him and then he'll, he'll run and then they'll take off. So it's kind of like they're playing this game of cat and mouse, you know, where they're letting themselves be seen so that they can lead Omega red somewhere. At least that's kind of how it seems, right? Omega red seems to just be falling for the trap. Cause he's like, you have what I want. I'm following you and I'm chasing you down and all this. So he keeps yelling stuff like give it back thief and all, and all this. And, you know, he, he follows them through various parts of the, uh, you know, Weapon X facility. They go through the chamber where the adamantium is bonded to the test subjects, specifically Logan. They go through a couple other rooms uh, and eventually they chase him into like what appears to be like a large hangar you know, or just a very large room, danger room, even kind of deal. And there's like this big X on the floor, a big red X on the floor. And right in the middle of the X is Maverick. He's standing there. The carbonadium synthesizer is on the ground at his feet. And he's just like, you know, come get me. Here it is. You want it? Take it away. And, you know, Omega Red's like, I'll take your life for this. And he's like, yeah, forget, you know, the legacy virus already already beat you to it. So I'm going to, I'm going to fight you and all this. So saber, not saber tooth, uh, Omega red runs up, you know, and he, he gets his tendrils all around Maverick and everything. And then Maverick suddenly changes from being Maverick into being John Wraith. And it turns out that Elena was, uh, making Omega red, like hallucinate, not hallucinate, but just, you know, psychically overriding his auditory center, not his auditory, his visual sensors uh, and saying this, who, who you're looking at is Maverick and all that. So he thought he was chasing Maverick and the carbonadium synthesizer down this whole time. Turns out he was actually chasing John Wraith and Wraith's like big hand cannon. <laughs> uh, but either way, like he grabs his, uh, his tendrils, he wraps them around him and he's like, all right, well, you know, if, if you're the one I have to kill first, then so be it. But luckily, uh, John Wraith has his powers to kind of fade out. So he fades out from where he is. And on this giant X, it turns out this was actually a containment unit designed in case any of the subjects of Weapon X ever broke loose. They would be lured there and then encased in, you know, like this giant box type thing. All the like floor panels and stuff and ceiling panels kind of rush up and rush over and everything and completely enclose Omega red in, in this like containment center, you know, and he's kind of yelling, like, you think this will stop me? It's ridiculous. Like I'm never going to stop coming for the carbonadium synthesizer and all that. And the heroes are like, yeah, whatever. Like maybe you will come at us in the future, but you know, that's future us as problem. And as far as Maverick's concerned, like there is no future Maverick. So he's like, yeah, whatever, you know, I'll be long dead by then and I'll have hidden it away. So who cares? You know, we, we got you where we wanted you. And so they, they managed to uh, entrap him in this little room. And then they hear the, the screech of, you know, hypersonic jets fast approaching. And they're like, well, time to get out of here. And so they, uh, they make it to like a garage in the facility. Cause obviously they can't make it to their plane and take off in time. Their planes too far away. And then it would take too long to get it started and go down. So they go to the garage. They're looking for a vehicle. Hopefully they can find something and they run into Logan's Lotus seven. So that's a fun little Easter egg. You know, if you've ever read the uh, Shiva scenario, then you'd know that Wolverine eventually gets his thing back and then they go during the Shiva scenario and then it gets left again because they go from where they're at to like across the country and then up into Canada and all this stuff. It's this whole, you know, widespread adventure type thing. Uh, And so in this case, the last place that Logan had the uh, Lotus 7 was here at the abandoned Weapon X facility. So... There, there suddenly there's a ticking clock, you know, and they're they're going up against it. We, we're checking in with the Air Force. They're letting loose their missiles and everything. And so Maverick is able to uh, hotwire the Lotus 7 because, you know, obviously there's no keys in it. 
and he hot wires it and the three of them are able to get into the car and drive far and fast enough away that uh, by the time the military arrives at the Weapon X facility and just bombs the heck out of it, they have uh, cleared the blast radius. So luckily they don't get caught up in it. And the fate of Omega Red seems to be a bit up in the air. Like the last thing that we see is he is in this little room and he's just kind of yelling like, no, Vader style as everything blows up around him. So they leave it ambiguous and all that. And then we just get one final page and Maverick kind of passes out in the, like they pull over and they're talking and then Maverick just like passes out. Cause you know, from exhaustion, I'm sure it's really tiring to have the legacy virus and then go and do all of this physical stuff. So, so that's pretty much it. You know, Maverick is, is talking to him and he's like, all right, well, you know, uh, or not Maverick, sorry, he's passed out. So Wraith is, is talking to Elena and he's like, well, you can, you've got the information you need about Creed and I can help you the rest of the way. Or, you know, you could just, I'll stay here with Maverick and you can go on like whatever you, whatever you want to do. And Elena's like, no, you know what? Like I've been chasing Victor Creed my entire life. I can delay it a little further and I will stay here when, so that when Maverick awakes, he, he won't be alone. So she's kind of chosen to, to stay by his side, at least for the, the rest of his probably shortened life. Um, and it's just like a nice kind of ending, you know, it's, uh, they, they get the carbonadium synthesizer. I think he gives it to Wraith and he's like, all right, you know, hot potato, it's your turn. Uh, now you get to take it and hide it somewhere and all that. And, and it, that that's it. That is the issue. So there you have it. That is Maverick in the Shadow of Death. It was a uh, kind of a follow-up story. It, I, and I ended up cho- choosing to do this one rather than the Soul Skinner because I just liked this was a continuation of the storylines that were set up in the last uh, last week's episode, you know, uh, X-Men 4 through 7. So I just thought this was a, a, a fun follow-up. Uh, the artwork for it is fine, um, you know, for... Uh, it actually looks a lot like Mark Teixeira's artwork. Uh, it, that's what it reminds me of. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of rough. There's really heavy inking strokes and stuff on here. Um, not really like fine line work. It's it's very thick lines, very broad strokes, that sort of stuff. Very gritty kind of artwork. And then the color palette that's used for it is just very... I, w- I wouldn't say dynamic. It's just, it's very muted, uh, the colors that are used. And there's, you know, a, a lot, lots of browns and yellows uh, and like light reds and oranges and stuff, a lot of warm colors. Um, and yet, like, it was just a very kind of muted, uh, but it worked. I liked it for for a quick one shot uh, that, that features, you know, a heavy spy story and has Omega Red as a villain with a very visceral villain, very physical villain. Uh, it all worked pretty well. So, so I like this. And of course I'm also a big Larry Hama fan. Um, I thought his Wolverine run was, was excellent. So there you have it folks. Uh, I hope you are all able to, uh, check this out. If you are interested in Omega Red's backstory. So, Bub, stay tuned for next week's episode. It will be, a, you know, a further continuation of our exploration of Omega Red and his uh, important storylines and things like that. Next week, we will be pivoting into some more recent stuff. Not very recent, but, you know, this uh, this millennium. Uh, we are going to take a look at some of the Omega Red stuff that was featured early on in uh, Wolverine Origins that... Uh, 50 issue run that uh, bridged the gap of Wolverine's memories, you know, Logan's memories of, of his life up to that point. So it'll be fun to uh, go back to that series and look at this Omega Red story. Again, it's another Omega Red. It's another carbonadium synthesizer, but that sort of seems to be the thing. You know, we, we know that he is a ruthless killer, but uh, he certainly has his eye on the prize. And most of the things that he does are driven by his desire to have that in his possession. 
Uh, and then after that, uh, we'll see where it leads. But I'm thinking two weeks from now, we'll actually cover some Krakoa era stuff because there's some fun um, X-Force and Wolverine storylines that I've so far that I've managed to get to um, in my attempt to to catch up on the Krakoa era. It's going very, very slowly. Uh, I ended up getting kind of caught up in rewatching all of the Defenders uh, individual seasons. So right now I'm on like Luke Cage season one. So what is that? Four seasons deep out of like 13 or something like that. Uh, and so that's actually been taking up most of my evenings. Uh, not so much the comic reading, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, I was enjoying, I finally was getting into the Krakoa stuff and I was starting to, uh, the stories were starting to kind of pick up and I was really starting to, to enjoy it. Um, but some of the standouts for me in the, uh, Wolverine and, uh, X-Force stories are some of the Omega Red stuff, and I thought that would be uh, some fun stuff to talk about as well because it's it's very different than uh, you know the the first three weeks. It's not a whole lot of carbonadium synthesizer. It's a whole lot of something else. So I just thought that would be fun to uh, to jump into to close out Omega Red month. So again, these things are uh, subject to change, but that is the plan for the next two talking snicks. And I'm happy to say that I will begin. Um, as of this week, you know, I've got my guest booked for the first two episodes of season three of X-Men, the animated series to cover on Snicktoons. So look for at least two episodes to be dropping here in the next two or three weeks. Um, and then after that, it's the Phoenix saga. So I, I kind of want to get all of those episodes booked and recorded, uh, before we move on to that. One thing about season three of X-Men, the animated series is there are a lot of longer multi-part stories. Uh, there's not necessarily like an overarching season theme or story arc, but they do a lot of long form storytelling. Uh, so I'm excited to get to that as well. But uh, so there might be breaks in between some of the, the longer storylines and all that. But again, happy to announce that I've got my first guest booked for the next two episodes. So we'll be recording those uh, hopefully this week and next week and and have episodes coming out to you uh, hopefully as early as next Saturday, uh, but we'll see. So again, tentative, uh, that's what's coming up. So Bub, if you like the show and want to keep the conversation going, you can find me on Instagram at TalkinSnicked, or you can reach out to me via email at TalkSnicked at gmail.com. Of course, if you are so inclined, you can join the nine of us over on the TalkinSnicked discord it's really not a very happening place uh, not really a whole lot of conversing going on over there but you know whatever i'm dropping links to my episodes i'm dropping links to all of the stuff that my guests hosts have been involved in you know making sure that uh, there's a place where if you like them you can find links to their various podcasts and other dealings and yeah you know we're just if you want to chat wolverine hop in there you know i, I check the discord a couple of times a day and I'm usually around. So uh, I'd be happy to talk Wolverine or, or X-Men or even Marvel in general with, uh, with any of you. So check the show notes and find the link to the discord server. One last thing, bub, if you like the track back from the dead, which you will hear at the very end of this episode, make sure you go check out the YouTube channel and the Spotify playlist for retcon X, very talented musician, who wrote and composed the piece that you are about to hear and several other pieces of original music that were in, inspired by the X-Men. Awesome stuff. So again, if you like this track that you're about to hear, then go check out the stuff by Redcon X. Until next time, bub. <laughs>